If you're just tuning in, welcome. This is Mango Masala, the South Asian show. My name's Gins, and I'm feeling very hot today. I'm also joined here by Halima and Simran. How are you doing? Hi. How is it, Halima? You happy now? You got the temperatures you wanted? Do you know what? Like, so obviously I'm in London and it is a couple of degrees hotter than it is in Manchester. I don't know what it's like in Manchester right now. But like when I looked at the weather forecast, all this week it was supposed to be like 27, 28, 29. But then like on the days it's been like 24, 25. Like, it actually hasn't been that hot. And I know on, like, Monday, Tuesday, it's supposed to literally be, like, 37, 40 degrees in London. But I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. It's just, it's not been accurate so far. So, basically, what I'm getting from this is there's no pleasing you. Probably. But you know what, as well, though? It hasn't been sunny. It's been hot, but it's been really cloudy. Yeah. What about you, Simran? How are you doing? Um, It's hot here, but it's not sunny. Yeah. I've, I've completed that. It's cloudy, isn't it? You can't even sunbathe. What's that's what I'm saying? It's not even like, it's not even like pleasant. Yeah. Well, what's the point of the sun if you can't sunbathe? It's just hot and humid. Yeah. I, this, this is what I'm thinking because I'm like looking at it's Monday and Tuesday. Well, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday when it's meant to be like extra hot, isn't it? And I'm just looking at the weather and it's like cloudy and I'm just like, well, literally, what what is that going to be like? It, it's it's going to be an oven. That's what it's going to be like. We're literally going to roast alive. <sighs> to be fair, the pie, the pie studios are very hot. Like, yeah. Yo, bring a fan. I will link you that little handheld fan that I have. Mate, I've got a fan. I'm not, I can't have it on when we're on yeah, air because I'll, it makes this fan. annoying sound in the back. But oh my god, guys, you know on Tuesday, Tuesday's supposed to be the hottest day, like, I think Tuesday they've forecasted, like, highs of 40 degrees, which is insane, right? But I'm going to a concert. Oh, Halima, be be careful. That might actually be the worst place that you could have chosen to go. But it's Thames. Oh, oh that people are going to be proper know. dancing to that as well. Like. I know, like if it was someone else, I would have just not gone. But it's Thames, I can't it, not go. It might get cancelled, you know. Do? Obviously, I'm not I wishing that, say. but but they rescheduled. This one is a reschedule, and it was supposed to be last month, and they rescheduled it because she was um, she was unwell. So this is already a rescheduled show. Yeah, but I feel I can predict it because they're already they've they've been saying to like schools that they can either not go in or go coming in their PE kit type of thing. Like everyone's sort of taking those precautions. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, you know what, a concert is just asking for it. But obviously, I hope you get to go. But I wouldn't be surprised. Because you have hella people that pass out at concerts anyway and have to get like dragged over the front with bottles of water. Uh, I, don't, I, just, I just don't believe it will actually be that hot, honestly. I'm not going to believe it till I I don't think it I don't think it will be like 38, 40 everywhere, but some places will probably get it. But like here and like where we all are, probably like 34, which yeah. is still hella hot. For, for here, yeah. I mean, the hottest ever UK temperature, I think, was a few years back in, in Cambridge. It was like 30, 38 point something. That's like the hottest ever we've ever gone. It's never been hotter than that. Yeah, no, well... As far as they've been recording it, apparently. So, yeah. Halima, why are you like? Why are you looking in disgust as if you want it to go higher? We don't want it to go higher. It's the highest recorded ever. Thirty-eight is a yeah. It's boiling, but in the UK, it's not built for this weather. 
Yeah, no, I know we're not. We, yeah. don't, we don't even have the infrastructure. Like, my friend came to visit the other day from Manchester, um, and she had, like, complications because the train was cancelled or delayed because of the heat. And it wasn't even that hot that day. It was literally, like, 25 degrees. Uh, if after this year, AC doesn't become mandatory literally everywhere, and including, like, more people getting it in their houses as well, it's going to be mad, like... At the owner of Vernon Mill, Stockport, if you're listening, <laughs> please. I don't think it will because it's a, it's a freak occurrence, isn't it? Like, but, but, yeah, but summers are getting hotter. Like, I remember even last summer was dead hot, and I was thinking, like, everyone needs AC. Yeah. What? No way. Last summer was not hot. It, it, yeah, well, it does. In part, in part, it got really hot. Like, they are, um, a window was made. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, um, no, no, no. <laughs> I feel like we get like one or two days of like hot weather. But the rest of the time it's but, just rubbish. But this is the thing, on those few days, everything just grinds to a halt. And it's yeah, the same with winter yeah, no as well. Thinking. It's the same as with winter as well. Whenever it like snows loads or the freezing creates like loads of potholes, like our roads are so bad. Every I mean, year. Sorry, go on. No, I'm every year we're like, oh my gosh. I'm just like, literally, it happens the same every year. Why do we That's not learn? The thing. Like with summer, I understand because, okay, fine, we're not a hot climate. We don't get much sun. But winter, like, how have they not prepped for winter? That's the thing that spins me. I don't know. Are you surviving though, Simran? How's doing like dissertation work in this weather? I just, I've been just doing everything with the fan on my face. But like, it's like it's not been like so, so, so hot, but I just kind of like seems. Yeah, no, definitely. Did you work over summer? It's just depressing. Pardon? When do you finish? September, end of September. Oh my God, that's ridiculous. Even me like this week at work, when it's been like hot and stuff, I just have no motivation to work. Mm. Like, yeah. how can you work when the sun The starts? only thing is though, like, yeah, that's the thing. You can't work when the sun's shining, but the sun hasn't been shining. It's been cloudy, so I've been all right. True, 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 true. This is it. I'm not looking forward. I'm meant to be going into work Monday and Tuesday, and I'm just a bit like, I would rather just be able to be left to my own devices and just. You're, just you're going into work, like you're going. Yeah, because the work that I'm doing requires me to like kind of log in there, so I'm kind of like I have to do it. We'll Where see. in Manchester or? Yeah, Salford. So, oh, I mean, that's, that's all, not too bad. the keys would be really nice in the sun. No, no, it will. I'm just, I hope that it doesn't get too hot inside. Like, I surely you would Probably think, <sighs> anyway, enough moaning about the weather. Let's focus on elsewhere in the world, Sri Lanka, right? So, what's been going on there? They've been um, in an economic crisis for time now. I think protests have been started since like. April because um, the they've run out of fuel and therefore the prices of fuel has gone up ridiculously and therefore the prices of everything else is going up um, people are striking revolting against this the previous prime minister um, he fled to Singapore and put this um, this other one in charge and now yeah. that one has had the PM Palace stormed by hundreds of protesters and he's had to evacuate as well and so we're currently at this place now where it's kind of like cool like people are uprising and like it's great to see what people can do when they rise to go and say we've had enough but also it's like where do we go from here sort of thing 
So I'm just really enjoying the show. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I do look at places like Sri Lanka and <clears throat> other places that are a lot more proactive than the UK. And I just think, why can't we be like them? Not to get into trouble for inciting anything of any sort. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I've just put my headphones back on after going to get some water and I've just come back to, I'm not trying to incite any trouble. I'm like, what have I missed in the yeah, past yeah. 10 seconds? She said yeah. she looks at places that are proactive like Sri Lanka and things, why aren't we like that in the UK? Oh, gosh. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, we've got a cost of living crisis. Our we just sit back and take it, off. man. We do. People are too lazy here. We it's do. Hot. People can't be asked. Mm. It's at, like at, I do always think like at what point at what point will the Brits be moved into any kind of action? And before Carlos has to interrupt, this is not me inciting anything. Pretty Patel, if you're watching, don't <laughs> worry. But honestly, though, like I am really enjoying the show, and you know what? I actually back it. I really back it. How? how they literally like the people the masses it's what they call like people power isn't it how they literally have just like wrestled control for themselves mm. um what's next i don't know but i i would hazard that forcing a hand forcing the government's hand like that by storming their their the pm's yard is actually probably more impactful than begging and pleading and not doing anything yeah for sure i mean i wasn't sure as to whether the um articles that i was reading about this were maybe a bit more leaning towards um everything being in order and going by the correct way of things well they all seem to say like the problem now is that there's obviously no functioning government like all the people involved in like government have fled obviously and Sri Lanka's problem as well is that they're in debt to a lot of people um, a lot of, a lot of countries like, I feel like that kind of argument would stand if there was a functioning government in the first place like that it's the fallacy of the functioning government right mm. like there is a government whether they are functioning or not is a completely different story and in Sri Lanka clearly they were not doing what they were supposed to if the situation was that bad that one president had to uh, is it president or prime minister oh so prime minister yeah. prime minister that one prime minister has had to abdicate and then another prime minister has been literally forcibly removed from you know his office um, yeah. clearly it wasn't a functioning government in the first place it's kind of like it's kind of like you know when you make the case for abolition and then mm. people are like oh but we need the you know what what about crime and how and how would we handle this and how would we handle that and it's kind of like well the police aren't doing it in the first place anyway do you know what oh, i mean yeah. and it's like oh now we're worried about like oh who's going to govern the people and who's going to take care of their economy well the government weren't doing it in the first place true i, mean, I suppose so I, I say, I suppose it's kind of like even taking that stance. It's sort of like it's not necessarily oh, is there a functioning government? It's more like because I know like different countries and other, and um, organizations have said like okay, we'll lend Sri Lanka money or we'll like reduce the debt, this sort of thing. But are they going to be as willing to cooperate with that? And I know this is on them, obviously, but are they going to be as willing to cooperate with that when they know that there's not a 
soul body that they can go to and this is not gonna last forever like this is a very common thing government's being overthrown it's very i think what it is it's because it's kind of like it's the age of social media and we're seeing the optics in a more pervasive um way and in a way that is more subject to like social commentary than other examples in history you know like i can't lie some of the images that have come out <laughs> from this whole saga have been quite comical you know that my favorite one is the one where the protesters are literally in the pm yard like watching a new story of their storming <laughs> no oh yeah that one's funny also the one there's literally someone just having a shower <laughs> yeah like they're living, they're living there do you know what i mean but sometimes i think like I don't know, like all governments across the world, there's one universal thing, which in my opinion, all governments are corrupt, you know, and all governments are self-serving. And there's always a complete, complete chasm between like um, politicians and, and the ordinary working people. And if the and if the politicians aren't going to make the lives of ordinary people livable, okay, cool, storm their yard and go live their life then. Go shower in their shower and eat from their fridge. Like, they're not, they're not actually serving you, you know? Um, but as I was saying, yeah, this is a, this is a, a demonstrated kind of like political tactic. It's not. This is not new. This is not the first time um, a government has been overthrown or someone has been ousted like this. It happens a lot. I do think it's just kind of like the particular kind of imagery that we're seeing and the the social media like circulation that makes it seem like oh my god, like what's gonna go, what's gonna happen here, what's you know. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. But these things t- tend to have a way of sorting themselves out. Unfortunately, um, the global revolution is not yet really going to be had, I don't think, by, you know, Sri Lanka overthrowing their government. Order will be restored. Mm. Might as well just have fun while we're at it. I mean, I know we were talking before about, like, um, Simran, I know you were saying that, oh, people here are too lazy to do anything like that. But I'm also thinking, like, having seen the pictures of them literally storming the prime minister's palace sort of thing i'm kind of like i feel like again this isn't inciting anyone to do this but i feel like storming number 10 would be a bit underwhelming like literally like it's literally just like a terrorist house you know what i mean like uh, yeah but also it is also underwhelming because like politically nothing ever really happens they'll just find one government to replace the next you know well, I mean, that's what. That's a good segue, actually. Maybe we should like take that. Oh, <laughs> one government replacing the next, one person replacing the next one. Tory leadership um, contest that is going on currently. Oh, I can't be bothered. Actually. And we've got. It's it's amazing, guys. We've got so much good representation. I know me and Simran <laughs> were talking about it last week. We were saying about how cool it is to see Rishi doing so well. In case you haven't noticed, this is a identity bit of sarcasm. Politics. Identity politics really has people in a chokehold. Like, I was watching his, um, like, election ad campaign the other day, Rishi Sunak's. And mm. obviously because I am staunchly anti-Tory and because I'm, you know, relatively aware of his policy and his politics and exactly what he's done, I'm watching it and I thought, it's... You're an actor. Come on, Davide. You're a liar. (laughs) Like, it's ridiculous. Like, you're... I just see through it, you know? Like, it's... his whole thing was like, oh, my grandma, my grandma came here and Britain helped her. And now I want a Britain that's going to help other people. Why are you siphoning taxpayer money then? Answer that, Rishi Sunak. Mm. 
from the second that Yuta's like, let me tell you a story. Like, yeah, it's, all, it's just it's 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 a fiction. It's all fiction. Like I don't know how I don't know who he thinks he's trying to convey himself to be, but it's not the per the politician that he has been that he's demonstrated himself to be. Yeah. And and people will eat it up. This whole story of like, oh my god, like second generation immigrant, like you know. Kind of like Britain is the place where things happen and we're so fair and just and liberal and we give people fair chances and anyone can make it here. And it's like, it's just pure BS. Is um is first gen the people that actually come over or is that? Yeah. Yeah. So he's not even second gen then, he's third gen. No, wait, first gen I thought first gen is like the children of the... Yeah, oh, I've, always been, I've always been confused oh, by this. I don't know which one's which. I think, I think they're actually interchangeable. I call mm. myself first gen because I'm like my parents were the immigrants. Yeah. But my point is, it's not even like he's the next generation down. He's literally in any case, yeah, down. exactly, yeah. exactly. But, like his whole kind of story, like yeah. Um, and then you look at like his material, actual politics, right? And it's, um, and this is the interesting thing, right? Because when you when people well, firstly, how dare he literally pay play like the representation and diversity card because this is the thing that people don't understand right the people that fall into this kind of identity politics the thing that they don't understand is that um is it, is the, like the relationship and the interaction between class and race right like you have racial diversity but where is the class diversity right and in a in, in a country like britain um or just under capitalism in general to be honest with you where race and class are um, like co-constitutive and they're like mutually constructed um, and most ethnic minorities tend to be working class, tend to be lower class for a number of socio-political reasons, um, is that genuine representation, is that genuine diversity, you know? Yeah. No, I saw um, them, what's his name, Quadro, you know, the one who does the, the social ho housing tweets. He, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, I saw yeah, him yeah. tweeting about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, but it, like it's just it's such a it's such an obvious point that people tend to miss. Um, we can have and and the thing that's like so dangerous, right? Particularly, this is what I really wanted to talk about today. The thing that's so dangerous about this whole representation talk and diversity talk and and all of these things is that um, what it does is it allows the British state and the British government to pose as like post-racial. It allows the the British state to to disguise itself as being like colorblind, right, and being genuinely diverse and and, and allowing genuine representation, so as to quell any accusation of racism. Um, if anyone comes forward and, and says the British government, West, Westminster is racist, racist, or the British state is racist, they will say, oh well, we've got a brown prime minister, or we've got you know ethnic minorities in our cabinet in our government um when actually they're just being used as pawns like they're literally subsumed by the 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 government um and the white supremacy that upholds the british government and then what that does is it fortifies that exact white supremacist apparatus right because it allows them to then deflect um blame of racism mm. no. and that's that's what's so dangerous is that people like Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid and Pari Patel, they're literally being used. They're actual pawns. They're doing, like, the white man's bidding, you know? Simran, have you, like, 
obviously still being like sort of like a uni setting and i mean and obviously with like your friendship circles as well do you see obviously not naming any names or anything but do you ever see anyone that sort of does like fall for this sort of thing or like kind of is like you know what it wouldn't be too bad like sort of thing or or are people all of the same mindset being in uni i think the vast majority of people lean left Mm. some like very very strongly as well this conversation got brought up a lot more in liverpool than it did here like people a lot more politically charged there i think no one really talks about it here um but i think in general you don't hear a lot of people talk about it would be a good thing if these people were to come in to power like no one really i don't think anyone thinks about yeah yeah, but I mean, you do see it on social media, though. Like, you do definitely see people like, and, and it is the, it is like the Indians and the, you know. Yeah, I think the average person, like roughly our age, can see straight through it. But maybe the older ones are looking at it like from the more relatable standpoint of like the immigration standpoint and trying to like see similarities between them and us. Which I guess I see why, and the marketing is strong on their side. Do you know what I mean? They know what they're doing. Yeah. No, definitely. I think it's just so ironic, isn't it? Like how he's how is he gonna market himself as like a strong, proud, like immigrant grandson or whatever, like second gen, third gen, whatever. Um, but then what he's doing is directly harming those same demographics, you know? Yeah. I mean I mean there's only um there was four of them. I think four um, people of colour that were in the main running for this um, leadership at the beginning. Now there's two left, I think. Um, and just as well, I know, like, um, I think she's probably up there with my favourite MPs, up with um, Zara Sultana as well. Nadia yeah. Witto, um does a lot of stuff with Sludge Mag. You should check that out. They've done their Women's Euro t-shirts. Go check them out. Um, but she did a, say, a, th- a thread on Twitter, which basically kind of gave, like, a few bullet points of, like, each of the members that were going for this position. And just to, like give a bit of context as to because obviously like obviously representation it, it's kind of sold as like a very positive thing but just to give to people a bit of an idea about the negative things in our opinion that are associated with these people Rishi Sunak is worth 730 million he held a green card while he was chancellor his wife used non-dumbed status to avoid tax he said he would run the economy like Thatcher um, there's, we've suffered the biggest drop in living standards since 1956 whilst he was Chancellor. And then um, Kemi Badenoch as well has said that she wants to abandon the 2050 net zero carbon emissions target. She also said that she doesn't care about colonialism and she allegedly held secret meetings with the LGB alliance and ex-gay groups while Equality Secretary and has been recorded as describing trans women as men using women's bathrooms. So, these are the people, and again, these these are facts. How very apt mm. for a tall, Tory leadership race. Like, we're here, and we're like, oh, my God, we're so offended by this, that, and the other. And actually, it's very fitting, isn't it? None of these guys are aberrations of any kind. They're really carrying the mantle. Yeah. I mean, currently it's looking as if it's going to be between Rishi and what's the name, Penny Morden. Um, yeah. 
so I guess we'll have to see. But I don't know, guys. What it does is that kind of <clears throat> these people are not, in my opinion, good people. <laughs> um, but okay, but also like materially, their policies and their politics have like harmed. Um, tens of millions of people right um that much i don't think can really be debated um and when they then come forward and um kind of paint their story to be one of like you know successful immigration and hard grit and and overcoming barriers and all of that what it does is it allows them to sanitize um their kind of like public image it allows them to actually create a degree of separation between their material politics and the material harm caused by their politics and this um like purported fictionalized sanitized version of who they want the public to believe they are um so when we see these things and we see, you know, Rishi Sunak coming forward and talking about his grandma and their story of their family story of immigration or whatever, um, I think it's really important to actually stop and question, like, it's so easy to sit in front of a camera and say, I'm this and I'm that and I stand for this and I stand for that. Look at their politics, look at their policies. Mm. That shows who they actually are and how they will behave as a as a PM. I mean, this is what um, Simran was saying like last week as well, because we were kind of discussing should people be allowed to use the stories of their ancestors to kind of sell mm-hmm. themselves politically? And I think the conclusion that we came to was that um, you can only use it if it's like reflected in your politics or if it directly but, relates yeah, it's to honor, you. Honor in your policies and your politics, absolutely. Whereas if you like what he has done has actually dishonored it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So. So just, just like, representation means nothing unless it represents the people it's supposed to represent in a good way. Yeah, one hundred. Mhm. What I've got an interesting one, and obviously this is all speculation, and we don't actually know anything. But why do we think that Pretty didn't go for it? Yo, do you know when as soon as his resignation came out, Boris Johnson's, I was. Actually, it wasn't even as soon as this came out, even, you know, the day before when all the MPs were dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. I was genuinely terrified because I thought there's only one person who's going to replace him and she's going to be 10,000 times worse, in my opinion. Um, and I, I was genuinely, I was convinced. And I was like, we are, I'm going into hiding. I'm actually going into hiding. And then she didn't even stand. And I don't, I don't know what for. Do we think that, it's maybe because given her current um, position and stance and everything, is she not in a better place to be able to continue doing what she's doing where she is now probably. as opposed to in the leadership position? Probably, yeah. I think there's probably less accountability that will need to be mm. had if you're Too not- much attention on her if she was PM. She wouldn't be able to get away with it so blatantly. Oh, I mean, she probably would, but uh, maybe slightly less blatantly. Anything runs at this point. The man was throwing parties in Downing Street while everyone was locked up in their houses. The thing is, as well, like I literally there saw. There probably would be a slight increase of like scrutiny, though. Yeah, but I saw like an article yeah. like recently, which was talking about um, 
Boris Johnson and obviously we're currently the reason why we're having these heat waves is because of global warming climate crisis and apparently obviously he's resigned he's resigned and he's going to leave his post in sept- September the 5th um, but he attended a checkers party instead of attending a, a vital um, climate meeting about this like how to deal with this and I'm just kind of just like literally never ending isn't it never ending i do agree with what you're saying about the scrutiny though because i think as the first prime minister of color and again as another female prime minister i think she would be held to a higher standard whether that means that what she wants isn't going to get through is probably still going to happen because it is i do think people will be more critical of her yeah if she was to come in I do really wonder, like, if we did have, like, a general election, which way would the public sway at this point? I really couldn't say. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, the thing is, I saw some people... Like, this is, like, based on, like, Twitter discourse. I saw some people that were saying that, um, yeah, Keir Starmer wouldn't, like, really stand a chance debating against, like, Rishi or um, Penny or Kemi or whatever. But then also, I haven't actually seen it... But I know they had the first debate, I think it was last night or the night before, where the five of the people that were going up for the position of Tory leader had their own like little debate thing. And from what I've seen on Twitter, no one really kind of came off in a good light. Like, as in, they could they came off like, okay, like they actually put forward some good arguments and kind of defeated the other one sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Still it's really mess. how with this country, to be honest, and also I think just because like, like demographic segregation, I personally don't have any Tories in my life, so I wouldn't even know what them men are saying about their own party. Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it is a bit it, that that is a bit difficult. Sometimes, like, kind of the echo chamber of yeah. like, only be friends with like non-Tories, like, because when the um, guys, I'm gonna talk about that event again the 2019 elections (laughs) (laughs) when that was like when their um election campaigns was running for that obviously because i'm only friends with people that like left-leaning and people that support corbyn i was like oh my god amazing campaign he's gonna get it it's gonna be amazing the way that man was defeated i thought how could i've got it so wrong yeah, like I'm sure there are actually people who, who that like you, you don't realize. I think you don't realize, like, because we're so caught up in our own kind of like demographic bubble that there are actually the majority of these people are Tories. Yeah, no, definitely. I think even I like. I don't think I was necessarily like, oh my gosh, she's going to win. But I wasn't expecting him to yeah. suffer the defeat that he'd had, especially after the um, what happened with Theresa May about how they actually gained in the 2017 election. They still lost, but they did a bit better. But yeah. When is the next election? 2024? It will be, but I don't know whether it's going to be in May or, or December, because obviously the last one was in December. So I don't know. Oh. Okay, cool. Twenty twenty four. Okay, so Oh, I don't know. It's what we always say on this show. I was just about to say, okay, cool, if we do have Rishi we'll have him for for like two years, but then again um, even if we have a Labour government, it's not worth it, is it? What's actually it's gonna good, happen? It's not a good Labour government to have. In our opinion. 
Anyways. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's round this off with something positive. Who's got something positive to share? Anything? Mm. <laughs> Anything? <laughs> oh, oh. One word. Kadeem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kadeem. For those of you that don't know, um, me and Halima went to the Curry Mile the night before Eid, and we spoke to some people, and we were really lucky to come across um, who is now my favourite person ever, Kadeem. Kadeem is nine years old, and he has been fundraising, doing all sorts, um, selling halal sweets, doing ice bucket challenges, everything, um, to raise money for different charities. And most recently, he has gone on deployment to Lebanon to um, help support Palestinian and Syrian refugee children. At nine years old. How <laughs> intentional. How incredible. Guys, go and on our social medias at Mangan Masala Radio on Instagram and go and watch the interview with Halima because it's the literally the sweetest, the sweetest thing in the whole yeah. world. Yeah. It, literally, when I was like, you'll see my face when I was doing it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I literally couldn't contain like how cute and how sweet he was. So cute. Yeah. But we need to get him on the show. Yeah, hundred and like also like. He's he's there at the moment, and if you've got him on Instagram, he's so cute. Like he's there, like there putting stuff in boxes and playing with the kids. It's <laughs> too cute. Too cute. Uh, what an amazing thing to see, you know? It's that kind of thing that makes you feel like, okay, do you know what? Maybe in about three decades, maybe <laughs> the country might be all right. Watch but, Kadeem grow up and become a Tory. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> so I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking, but also like... I didn't even hear what you said. I said watch Kadeem grow up and become a Tory. He would never, not my Kadeem. <laughs> no, you dare. No, you dare, not my Kadeem. <laughs> <laughs> my Kadeem. <laughs> no, yeah, we'll, we we'll, we'll, we'll steer him in a certain direction that we believe is the right one, in our opinion. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah. Can you remind me what the curry mile is? Literally what it is. It's a... So basically, um, there's a road that runs, like, from South Manchester to the centre of um, Manchester. And it's actually the busiest bus route in Europe. Um, and for part... <laughs> I know, yeah. But for part of it, um, it goes through... It's not a mile, to be honest. It's probably more like half a mile or something. But it's um, literally just a load of Asian um, food stores, shisha bars, all of that. So it's literally oh, labelled uh, the Curry Mile. What's the area called? Russia. I'm really Nah. It's, it's, in, it's um, central Manchester. But yeah, it's basically... It's like the... The side, it's not even England. It's not England. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, well, to be fair, like, I don't know if you noticed this, Carlos, but there has been like a slight demographic shift over like the last Definitely. five years. Definitely. Like, it I've was very, very, very nice. Is it avocados and lattes now? No. Oh, no, no absolutely. Oh, God. Well, I mean, it was it was all South Asian. Like, every single every single shop was South Asian, whether it's South Asian groceries, cash and carries, restaurants, food like clothes shop, jewellery shop, but now there's more of a shift towards like Arab. Yeah, definitely. So, well, I've seen so many people say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a mix now between like Arab and Saudi, which is still fine. Like, I'm okay with that. As long yeah. As it's not the gentrified avocado coffee shops or whatever. I mean... That's what I'm saying. Avocados, lattes, cocktails and teapots. I think the thing is, they just know that that would... It would never work... Like obviously, I'm not. I'm not trying to put it out into existence that this actually, this actually becomes a challenge. But listen, don't speak too soon yeah. because the, you know, 
you know how you described it you know how you describe this place right and you're saying like oh um it doesn't feel like england the only place i can really liken that to near me is southall right the whole area yeah. of southall yeah, yeah, yeah india yeah. india through and through right it does not even feel like you're in britain for a second but you go now and everything's like flower walls and neon lights and cafes and like that everything's still run by asian people south asian people like even the dessert shops you get like the franchise ones whatever but they all look like london kind of vibes yeah. and then they're next to like a traditional grocery like supermarket thing yeah it's, it's fair, strange that's vibes that's still that's still not bad as like for example, like Brick Lane, mm. where that is Brick Lane. Pure I went, I went last summer, and I was like, so I've been, I went to Brick Lane for the first time in like 2014, 2015, and it was Brick Lane. And then I went last summer, and I was like, this is not the same. This yeah, is not the same road. Time I go, it's like it is yeah. new. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was the definition of avocados, lattes, flowers, and neon signs. It's, it's gentrification on steroids, to be honest. It's really, it's crazy, really, really incredibly sad. Brixton, Camden. Brick Lane, it's just mad. Exactly, and I get very, very like scared and and worried that with the rate of development in Manchester, that Manchester's going to head yeah. in the same direction because it's always the inner city areas where the immigrants are that are the True. ones that are gentrified. So. To be fair, uh, I know I I know I just said like oh that I can't imagine that happening, but now I'm thinking about it. I am realizing that the more that like the cost of living crisis continues and people like that this gap between the wealthy and the poor is lengthened out um the more that um non-brown people are going to look for cheaper more affordable options and places to live and where no, are they gonna go like long side rush home yeah and it's also because of the influx of people in Manchester, like post-COVID yeah. development, the influx yeah, yeah, yeah. into Manchester. You know the population is set to double in the next five years. There was a BBC documentary about it. Uh, Listen, uh, I'll tell you what, yeah, as the only person who's allowed to move to Manchester, in your guys' opinion, I started flat hunting because I was like, let me see if I can move straight from Nottingham bypass going home because it'd just be easier. It's so expensive. It's not ridiculous expensive. It's not London prices, but I can't afford it. I'm gonna have to go it's, home and save. It's the it's um. It has become a lot more expensive now, and it's also the the um, the comp- competition. Um, and like, even um, considering the market moves so quick now in Manchester. But considering how like mainstream Manchester is compared to somewhere like Liverpool, Liverpool is roughly the same. Not a lot. Not a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is honestly, it's, it is the influx of people coming in, man. That honestly, like, I'm very, I'm very on prang about yeah. it. I'm very, very on prang about it. Um, me and Andy Burnham will be having words if, if and, they allow. And I'll say this, yeah, I don't know how much they contribute to the influx of people moving up to Manchester, but the TikTok girlies, yeah, they be. They'd be posting their little day in their lives, wake up with me and Manny, and it's all this like floor-to-ceiling window, like penthouse apartments. They go to their gym, they get a latte, flipping heck, man. I don't know if they're contributing to it because every single time I see one, every single comment is like, where is it, where is it? You know, like, bare, like, Love Island people are based it's in Molly May. It's the Molly yeah. May effect. Is what yeah, I like to call literally, like, to call it that, definitely. And again, this isn't us putting it all on Molly May, but I do think that 
No, I'm like, just saying it's an interesting, yeah. it's an interesting, it's a very specific market of people that are moving into Manchester, maybe for the, not the wrong reason, because what's the wrong reason, but like, just a weird There reason. are wrong reasons. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry. I don't no, purely that. for the sake that it's more affordable than London and arguably it's the next well, best thing. Well, that's what thing. it is, that London's pushing people out, isn't it? And it's oh, all I've heard from people is that no one wants to live in Birmingham, yeah. But I, that surprises me because Birmingham's, I love Birmingham. I actually proper rate it. I think it gets a lot more slack for what it is, but Simran got offended. Know, Sim, not, Simran gets offended when we said that we thought that she belonged in the Birmingham uni. That what? I, I said that. Oh, I think we both said that. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, you I, both said it. I'm not over it. That we I think about it all the time. That we thought. Oh, that looking... Simran would have gone to Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think that Aston, she would have been Aston. Exactly, you? yeah. Well, it's Never not a bad thing, Simran. I, I, <laughs> I love Birmingham. I, I think it's. I have a lot of family there. I've spent a lot of my life there. Like, when I was at uni, um, it was just like 20 minutes on the train, so I was there all the time. It's, it's very similar to Manchester. It's a great city. I feel like Simran's contention is more with the type of people that yeah, go to Birmingham. Yeah, a stereotypical Asian girl that comes from Slough and goes to Aston Uni. I've, yeah, tried, yeah, I've, yeah. I've done everything in my power to not be that. No hate and no shade on the girls that are that. It's just not me. It's just not, well, in, my, it's not in my personality. That's probably why we're associating it with that, though, because to me, I don't know about you, yeah, Helena, no, I don't know anyone else from Slough. I can I can take that. Like I can understand that. But, like, I just... It's a it's a personality type that I don't believe I have. And as the resident coconut, and I swear to God, I still get called a coconut like, literally once a week, every single week. No, like, who calls you that? Oh, everyone loves it, man. Everyone calls me a coconut. They're like, you're whitewashed, you're coconut. Yeah. I'm, I'm really I'm really not, first of all, I'm going to get into it. And that, actually, you know what? Okay, hang on. Come <laughs> <laughs> on. This is the reason I started this show. <laughs> to prove to everyone. Like, this is a whole thing that my my big stick up with like people like to police other people's brownness people like to gatekeep people's yeah. ethnic identity and i'm like it can literally mean whatever you want but i'm not about the business of going and sit here and, and justifying to people that oh i go to the good world oh i speak punjabi i can cook punjabi food i don't care i don't need to tell people that i just mm. am that in myself but maybe because oh i don't listen to punjabi music and i don't speak all the time i don't go to desi nights out and i'm not like through and through like on the surface like really desi doesn't mean that that's not still in my lifestyle and like in my culture and i don't care about it because if we're gonna go there I'm probably more educated about it than a lot of people because i spend a lot yeah. of time studying it and looking at the religion and the culture and like a lot of i learn a lot about sikhi in my free time so like i don't even want to start the conversation but that's the whole reason why i'm here two years on to be honest, do you know what this is kind of like a, an episode <laughs> i think we should do <laughs> a different time like this whole no, idea of cultural expression and what it 100%. means 100 express i probably i probably spoke about this a lot in my first few episodes but to me that i don't even think my stance has changed in two years because i still get called a coconut yeah i do think it's a very interesting one the whole this performance of like being dissy and what that means. I don't know what benefit and what satisfaction people get from telling other people that they're more brown than they are, they're more dissy than they are, that you're not dissy enough. Who holds the like yardstick of dissy? Yeah. And who cares? Mm, mm. <sighs> anyway, sorry, wrong. No, permission to clip that rant, Simran. Yeah, just take out the bit where I was cussing out people that go to Aston, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Right. Because otherwise, a lot of people will start coming for me. <laughs> right. We are going to have to play a bit of music now. Uh, but thank you both for joining me today on this very hot day. Um, yeah. What's everyone's plans for the weekend? My dissertation. Oh, gosh. Nothing, really. Hopefully, just not. It is, it is scary, though, to be fair. I do, like, obviously, like, obviously, I don't, I, I enjoy, like, heat when it's sunny. But it is, like, I do feel for people when it's, like, literally, like, people probably are going to die over the next couple of days because of this heat. Don't say that. Well, it's what the news is saying. Oh, I'm just Christ. a bit, like, I feel bad. So everyone who's listening, please do stay oh, safe. What a great way to look at it. <laughs> stay safe. Stay hydrated. Yeah, um, stay safe. stay inside. Buy a fan. Um, look up ways to keep yourself cool because honestly, this heat. I know we're saying that we don't think it's actually going to get as hot as they say it is, but if it does, prepared. it's not a joke. Like, yeah, be prepared, guys. Stay prepared. Yeah. Yes, guys. What's good? You tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio's South Asian show. My name's Gerns, and I'm joined here by Aaron AK. How are you doing? Yes, bro. I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. I know it's been a, a long time overdue, but we've got it all sorted now. So, yeah, man. How are you doing? You're right. I'm good. Yeah, no, you're right. I was just thinking about it earlier today. And we used to do this thing on our socials called um, Tuesday Track, where we would basically like highlight a, a new release every Tuesday sort of thing. And I remember your um, Dilbar track was the very first one that we ever did. So that oh, just, uh, yeah, so that was like way back in like, like January 2021, probably. So, yeah. yeah. Lockdown, I think it was. Was it lockdown? I can't remember. I don't even know. Was one, one of the lockdowns. One of the lockdowns. <laughs> one of the many lockdowns. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's mad. I didn't realise it was the first one. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Way back oh. when. But yeah, it's nice to like say talk to you in person. Remember day now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how has it um, been for you, 2022 so far? So we're in July, more than yeah. halfway through the year, which is crazy in itself. But how has this been for you, both personally and musically? Like you said, you, when you just said July, I can't believe it's July. Like, it doesn't feel like July at all. It feels like it's still, like, March or April or something, like, for early months. But I think the year's gone by that fast. But everything's good. Like, I'm, I'm back to, you know, working in the office again because I was working. I work a nine-to-five. Um, so that was a lot of it was at home all the time for the majority of the week. Um, but now, I'm, you know surrounded by people pretty much all the time so yeah it's kind of a back to normality kind of thing um back in the studio a lot back to just routine stuff you know what i mean that that we're that we're so um you know not used to i guess now at the moment but yeah man it's it's going well i think and then you know when you're busy time flies when you're having fun and keeping busy and stuff and that's what's been happening so yeah man things have been you know going well can't complain um and i'm always aiming and striving to do more to be fair so i'm just planning my next things and next you know moves and whatnot so from what you were just saying then i'm presuming you're quite like a people person then you, you yeah, enjoy like having people around you that sort of thing and they don't get me wrong like i've i've learned to how to you know be used to my own company over the years um especially over lockdown <laughs> but you know what i mean i feel like i thrive when i'm in an environment with people around me good people as well i like to bounce off people socialize a lot so yeah man definitely I'm, I'm sure. liking, you know, around people. And what about music-wise then? I think, am I right in saying you've released three tracks so far this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done, um, I've done a 
a few. I've got a lot more on the way as well. Um, so my first song this year was a song called Loose Ends, which I believe I think was January, I think, January or Feb. Um, then I've, I've been trying to work on a lot of collaborations this year because I said to myself, you know, last year was solely focusing on myself, my own music, my singles, and I bought out an EP as well during the summer. Um, and again, that EP was just focused on my own myself, my own music. But I feel like this year I said to myself, I want to network a bit more and branch out. So um, I'm not just touching my own fan base, you know, I've got other people's listeners listening to my stuff as well. So um, yeah, I've been, you know, working on collaborations. So I've got a song of Mike Wright just a few months ago, um, which is on all streaming platforms. I've got a song called Money, which I've done a few months ago, which is kind of like a garagey house song. Um, and that's with a, a lady called DJ Rochelle and Joel Berger. Um, got another one on the way next week, which I will be announcing on my Instagram over the next few days or so with a guy called Scripps. He's from Leicester. Um, I'm working on two or three more at the moment in the background as well. See, I'm just trying to like just work with a lot of people, network as much as possible and, um, you know, hopefully see, see where the year takes me. If I was going to say to myself, Towards the end of the year, I'm hoping to put a project together for myself, but God, the year's nearly over as it is. <laughs> yeah, time is flying. Well, I, what what do you find that you prefer then, or do you find that they're both the same? So do you prefer this sort of new era that you're in, where you're kind of jumping on a track here and there with lots of different people, or do you prefer it when it's, it's just you and you can focus maybe a bit more on your own musicality, your own art, that sort of thing? Um, a bit of both, to be fair. I do personally like enjoying, you know, just doing my own my own thing, really. Um, but I feel like it's a necessity. You have to branch out and work with other artists. If you're a musician or a creative, you have to, you know, work with others at the end of the day. You can't always be solely focused on yourself. I feel like this industry at the moment as well, it's so vast, it's so, you know, it's just expanding pretty much weekly. There's so many artists out there, amazing artists as well. So I feel like you can't always keep yourself cocooned in a nutshell and just, you know, feel like it's just you against the world kind of thing. I feel like if you talk to people, there's people in the same, you know, the same path as you, same, they've got the same outlook, you know, in music as yourself. And I feel like as I have branched out a bit more to the artists and stuff, I've realised that. Um, and yeah, I've met you know, some amazing artists on the, along the way. Um, and I want to continue to do so because, you know, end of the day, it's all about networking. And I learned that over the lockdown period. Networking is massive because we couldn't go out physically. So everything was just through social media. Um, and definitely, definitely networking, you know, with other artists, possibilities are endless. You know, you never know where it might take you. So Yeah, for sure. And when you talk about um, before about all the different tracks that you've done, um, you've obviously done um, more like house garage like you were saying a bit more traditional UK rap um, yeah. and you've got all um, your Asian influence tracks as well like the samples and everything um, so you're obviously quite a versatile um, musician would you say that there's any like genre out there that you haven't tapped into yet that you're like oh that might be cool to do something in that field someday uh, hmm. That's a good question, actually. Probably drum and bass, I'd say. I've never really thought about doing a drum and bass kind of song or even bass line, really. But I've kind of done bass on back in the day, but not properly. So yeah, kind of like that four, four bass line, drum and bass kind of scene. I've not really, you know, looked into doing it. Um, but it's definitely something I'd, you know, consider doing maybe once or twice in the future. Just, 
I like to just try everything. For me, it's not about making a particular genre of music, whether it's rap, hip hop, grime, um, R&B, drill. I feel like if if the melody's nice and I'm connecting with the actual the, the beat and the rhythm of it, um, I feel like I can just do my thing to it and then hopefully people will like it. So that's what I'm trying to, you know, like you said, I'm trying to branch out a bit more. I've never done garbage before in my life, but this year I've done, I've got one, um, I've done one a few months ago, I've got one which is being mixed and mastered as we speak. So that should be, you know, out in a month or two as well. So yeah, I'm just enjoying trying different genres. I feel like, again, you can't stick to one genre. You have to be versatile, especially if you want to stand out. And that's what I want to, you know, I strive to be. I want to stand out as much as possible, really. So yeah. How have you found it as well? Because obviously I mentioned before about um, you've done a few tracks with an Asian influence to them. Um, yeah. Because obviously you're of Asian heritage yourself, you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's not surprising, but at the same time, you are someone that has done so many other different things. Do you find that um, that's something that you find yourself naturally leaning towards, or do you find that um, it your would you maybe be worried that it sort of like clouds the vision of what you want to be as an artist if you're just doing Asian music? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What, what what's your relationship with that? Um, again, I love doing Asian, you know, sampled songs because. First, when I first did the the Dilbert tune, it was basically from family and friends, you know, just just pestering me and saying, "Are you not going to do a song that we you know we can listen to as well, or you know we, we're familiar with?" And I was like, "I will, just give me, you know, let, let me do it in my own time." And kind I of think don't rush me into doing it. And then that that's how that come about. I heard the beat and I just fell in love with it. I was like, "Yeah, this is me. I do my thing to it." But you're right. Um, if you stay. As an Asian artist, you know, sticking to just doing Asian genre and, you know, banger and them them genres there, it can easily get, you know, labelled as, as that one trick pony kind of thing. Oh, he only can do Asian sampled songs. All his songs sound the same. His songs, that, that song he just brought out last month, that sounded like the last one he brought out a few months ago. And, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't want to be labelled as that because I've heard it myself. You know, I'm always on social media, on Instagram, and, you know, I'm always aware of what other artists are out there and, um, you know, singers, producers, etc. And there is a lot of artists that just do Asian sample music and that's all they do. And that's when I look at it, I'm like, it's good. It's, you know, sometimes it is good, but then sometimes it's a bit repetitive and it's like, is that all you can do? And I don't want to be looking like, you know, looking at myself thinking, you know, that's all I can do. I want to push myself. So, um, yeah, I definitely will do more Asian sampled songs, but that's not my fully, you know, that's not my, my primary focus. Definitely it doesn't not. like define you necessarily. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. Because I never, I wasn't personally brought up off Asian music myself. Oh, you know, when I first started making music, it was grime, dubstep, um, rap. So I, and I personally don't really listen to a lot of Asian music. So it wouldn't make any sense for me to just, you know, just, just be an Asian artist doing Asian music when I don't listen to it myself that often yeah. so For I don't want to make of it just to, to fit the narrative kind of thing that's not me I want to keep it genuine and authentic for everyone that listens to it so yeah obviously um, I know that's already back also in your accent that you're from Birmingham um, <laughs> but which has got its own sort of thriving music scene would you say that you necessarily would you say that you feel a sense of pride being from Birmingham and sort of like rep that scene or do you see yourself more as like an overall UK artist 
yeah, so I'm actually originally from London and I moved up to Birmingham like when I was about 11. I'm 28 now, so as you can tell, the Birmingham accent's just fully taken over. London accent's completely gone. <laughs> but, it's fine, uh, it's fine. We're not, we, we enjoy that. Like, <laughs> Birmingham. You know what, can I just say, like, before we get into it, everyone always gives Birmingham, Birmingham accent such, like, stick, and I don't understand why. Like, I don't, I, I actually think it's fine. Like, I don't know why people hate it so much. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. But, um, yeah, I'd say, you know, Birmingham is my home now. I've grown up here. This is where I work. You know, my family, friends, everything's from, from Birmingham. My music started off when I was in Birmingham, so that's what I'm looking at, and I'll definitely represent Birmingham. You know, also, I'm representing the UK, but I feel like you need to, whatever city you're, you're based in as a, as a creative, you need to pursue that scene first. There's no point of, I don't know, say, for instance, you're from Nottingham, and then you're looking at it as a whole of the UK, but first, make some noise in your own city first and then look to expand in, you know, other cities. And then, then you can say, yeah, I'm gonna do the UK, then Europe and then America. And yeah, you, you have to um, start small, obviously, and then small steps, you know, and then the bigger dream is there. But yeah, definitely, I'm, you know, representing Birmingham. I'm not even just Birmingham, I'd say West Midlands as a whole. Yeah, and definitely when you're saying about small steps as well, it's like the people that, or in those like that home community are usually the ones that are like, most loyal and kind of stick by you like no matter how big you get or how far you go sort of thing yeah. so those like relationships are really important to build definitely 100% man 100% cool so um probably random things off um was there anything else besides obviously you've talked about um you've got a release coming up quite soon in the next week or so and you've also got potentially a project at the end of the year is there anything else like in the lineup for you that you perhaps like to mention um it's funny because i was chatting to someone the other day about this and they were saying like what have you got coming on and i was like i need to just sit down and make like a little list like a planner for myself just for the next coming months because there's so much going on it, you know it can easily get on top of you and then you're like what's coming next or oh, that's next oh i forgot that was next so at the moment, there's like that, and that's how I feel right now because there's that much going on. But look, like, music isn't just my, my only focus. I work nine to five, Monday to Friday. So music's when I can, you know, as much as I can try to do it. That and I want to do it as much as possible. But um, there is a lot going on, so I have to be grateful for it. But you know, like um, I've got, like I said, I've got that song coming out. I think in about a week or two, um, and that'll be updated on my Instagram. There's a music video which are actually filmed and shot. It's already. I just need to wait for a release date and I'm not too sure yet. So I just need to just sit down for an hour one evening and look at the calendar and pick a date. Um, my birthday is in the end of July. So I'm thinking maybe like drop it for my birthday or something or a week after my birthday or even the day after my birthday and just say like, this is for the supporters and for the people that have been supporting me. Um, here's a music video, you know, it's a surprise kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to perform as much as possible as well. So I've got a few performances lined up. Um, I've got one in next week on the 21st in Wolverhampton. I've got one in, I've got two in September. So yeah, it's just, you know, trying to network as much as possible and hopefully perform as much as I can as well. Nice. So where can people keep up to date with all of this then? Um, so everything I post is on my Instagram in regards to my music. And my Instagram is Aaron AK Baines. So that's two A's, R-O-N, AK Baines. And that's all one word. But yeah. Um, all on Instagram really and I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, all streaming platforms. That's where all my singles will be and all my collaborations as well. 
This is Mango Masala, the South Asian show. Before that as well, we had our interview with Aaron AK, which will be out soon on Spotify and YouTube, so make sure you go and check that out if you missed it. But focusing on the right now, we have got a very special guest. I think you're the first person in a while who we've had in person, so it's nice to have you here. Oh, nice one. Yeah, this is Faz Barber. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Very nice second name as well, because I was like, um, obviously your Instagram is FazMCR. Yeah. And um, I was kind of like on the post, I was like, oh, like, am I just going to put Faz? And I went and looked on the Manchester International Festival. I saw Faz Barber. I was like, oh. Yeah, I don't think the, the I'm not. I'm not big enough to have a one name. <laughs> you can't. Stage name, yeah. yeah you can't um, trademark Faz. Just no, there. it's quite hard, that. <laughs> but um, welcome to the show. Oh, thank nice, you. Nice to meet you as well, because I know, I think we've followed each other on social for a bit yeah. now, so it's nice to meet you in person sure. um, so do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself what you're about that sort of thing um, so <laughs> I am an architectural designer I work in kind of the realms of architecture and set design um, for kind of music events as well as that I am studying my masters in architecture right now um, I'm also a poet and a writer and recently became a board member on that at the Manchester International Festival so I'm a trustee for them so I'm just kind of fingers in different pies at the minute <laughs> no but that's that's really cool I absolutely I had no idea that you were involved in architecture like that's such an interesting field like I've always like how has it been like studying that over so long oh, mate it's dragging on I tell you it's really? a seven year course that seven years is really kicking in <laughs> it's, so, how many years are you into it now um, then five years into it so okay. almost there but um, I mean the more I do it you know it's one of those things where the more you do it the more you hate it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I kind of started to diversify more into where my interests do lie and that's more in set design and it always was so um that's the kind of world that i imagine myself going into mm -hmm. really um more once i've finished with this degree yeah. and qualified yeah no but that is such a cool um area to go into as well because obviously music videos um they're art aren't they essentially like you can you can have your basic ones which are maybe involving like just like a very basic backdrop and stuff it's like not that, even music videos it's it's live events so oh, so, so okay. yeah 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 but even that then like <laughs> obviously you have um some um live sets that will just have like a simple like not that much too but you have some that are literally like oh yeah you're fully immersive yeah. experiences where you're really kind of you bridge that gap between the audience and and, and the artist mm -hmm. and you um yeah really kind of put the audience at the forefront of of that experience and really enhance what that experience can be sure i've got a question then if you like who would be your dream artist that you would want to do a live set design for if you could do anyone? That's a really good question. And I've already got the answer. Uh, Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beyonce. I mean, it's this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you say anything yeah. more than that, really? That's a lot of pressure, though, you know, Beyonce. <laughs> you know, you want to go for the big names, innit? Yeah, fair enough. We're focusing on what you were saying before about um, Manchester International Festival. Yeah. So I just l l explaining to me what exactly it is. Like, so you're a board member, a trustee. What, what does that mean? Yeah, so um, 
I was recently appointed as that, and I feel like it's good for young people to understand what a board actually is when it comes to organisations, because I didn't really know much about it myself. But basically, you imagine boards to be like kind of old white men around a table. More uh, often than not. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what majority are, to be fair. However, um, the purpose of a board is just that you are essentially a bridge, especially if you're, if you're a charity, you're the bridge between that kind of the charity's commission and the organisation, and you basically keep everything in check. And and all kind of large decisions get put through from the executive team to you and, and the non-executive team, which is the board. And we then um, make the decisions about um, what the organisation should do to move forward. So we're actually opening a huge venue in, in town, in Manchester, um, um, the factory, which is on the old Granada Studios um, set and um, it's essentially going to be like this huge warehouse for immersive um, performances and because it's international it's, it's going to be basically bringing in loads of international artists as well as local artists to create within that space and it's, yeah, it's a really exciting time at MIF at the moment but MIF within itself outside of that is a two-year f- is a festival that happens every two years mm. in the city and it's something that started in... 07 I'm going to say Um, so it's back of the Commonwealth Games and stuff that you know that there was a lot of hype around the city so this big this came at the back off the back of that and it, and it's a cultural festival that takes place um where you basically put in as cringy as it sounds money on the map <laughs> no you know what it doesn't sound cringe when people from manchester say you know what i mean like when you say in the mancunian accent it's fine <laughs> but no it's, it's really cool so how did you were you sourced or did you apply like so um i'm actually part of the young people's forum at MIF so what that is is we're a group of young people and we're like the young consultants for um, the for the festival and essentially the way the festival works is there's a lot of engagement with the community so the whole, the whole idea is we want everybody to, to have a piece of this and all feel welcome to the festival and experience different types of art forms music um, you kind of have your big name artists you know last year in the last festival you had kind of um, Arlo Parks debuting her album at um, the GMX or whatever it's called now. <laughs> uh, Manchester Central. That, yeah. like that, that building uh, yeah. <laughs> Damon Albarn, kind of um, your big name artist and you have Festival Square which is um, the public space where you have kind of all the local performers come and perform there throughout the, the two weeks that the festival's on in the city and then you have the free stuff and around the city um you might you, po- you probably have, will have seen the odd thing but um it's one of those where i think traditionally it was like if you know you know sort of thing whereas now they're really trying to make it a yeah. something that is everyone should can all come together and really enjoy this festival that celebrates our city mm. yeah no definitely it's such a cool thing to be a part of as well because it's not just music as well, is it, right? No, it's all, it's all of different things. types of art forms, dance, architecture, <laughs> um, all sorts, kind of immersive performances, playing with VR, kind of really, and not just that, they, they really are trying to push um, what the future of arts looks like within the city and, and getting more and more people into, not just artists, but also getting people to understand that there's jobs in production, there's there's other jobs in the creative arts and allowing them space to um, get to work on some of those projects and, and kind of help young people decide what kind of careers they want to go into. 
show. Yeah. So now that you're obviously a member of the board, where is it that you sort of like? What's your angle in this? Like, where do you yeah. sort of? It, obviously, it's not. It, it's a board, so there's multiple people. But when you're sort of having these conversations, what are you particularly pushing for? So, so to put it into context, this board is made up of many big wigs <laughs> you've got kind of got like the the ceo of, of kind of the tate in london ex-ceo of south bank you've got gary neville's on the board um you've got um yeah just a real range of people who work in the arts so, and kind of top level know their stuff people from the council um so me being kind of the youngest person in that room and not just that i, I mean I'm, I'm a muslim right and I find generally within art spaces that um, a lot of Muslims don't tend to engage as much within certain um, public realms within arts. And that's, that's where I'm finding my, my angle coming in from. So, you know, when it comes to breaking down um, diversity and understanding demographics that they're trying to outreach to and engage with, that's essentially why I was brought in in the first place was to for them to understand why they had a lack of engagement from kind of Muslim communities um, in and around the city in their last festival. Um, and bring, I guess also bring a young perspective to the board. So, I mean, there's a lot of big word jargon stuff that we, we focus on um, because it, is, it isn't the, the kind of the little things really. It's, it's sort of the bigger picture of the whole organisation. But then it, it will kind of be like the nuances in that. So picking up on... Like, for example, where it might be focusing on diversity or demographics of people, it's like, well, actually, um, have you included Muslims into that? So do, do they know that this is available for them too? Or when it comes to selecting artists that we want want to um, have... Because I guess everything's about inclusivity now, isn't it? How, how do we make things as inclusive as possible? Um, and and that's kind of got its pros and its cons, I think. But, but um, I, think, if, I think the main con is when it sort of gets to a stage where it's very obvious that people are just doing it for the sake of it rather than actually caring well, about exactly. like, inclusivity. Uh, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's a really hard thing to, to balance because you can either go completely left and completely sort of we want to include everyone so we need to have something for everybody and then how specific do you get with that um versus kind of um okay well if they're not interested they're not interested but mif isn't like that they're very much like we want to outreach and we want it to be as authentic and genuine as possible we don't want to just put a name in for the sake of it so if you have any recommendations if you know anybody that sort of thing or if you think that if you know of any artists and and they know they know the best in the industry, so 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 they know kind of um, what will work, what won't work. Um, but also experimenting with that, so trying something different, see if that brings a new crowd in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of sort of the angle that I I, I come into it is to kind of I don't want to say bridge that gap because who am I? Do you know what I'm saying? But more more so. Um, Everyone needs a Jamal the intern. The person who will keep them in check a bit and be like, mm, should I really have gone that far down? Um, yeah. Was no one there to flag this up? You know, with most organisations, people do mess up along the way. I'm not saying that I'm that person, but I will play that person a little bit because that's my that, that's also my culture and that's my 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 heritage and that's my understanding. So and that's very valued in a space like that where they, where they want people from completely different backgrounds in a room together to be able to express what the the needs and wants are from those different um neighborhoods and communities mm. 
Yeah. No, for sure. And like, it is, I think it's really good that you're in that position and you're doing that, but then also that you're also aware of, okay, I don't want to be sort of taken as, because like you say, you, you're saying that you were brought in to sort of create this sense of understanding as to why yeah. certain communities aren't engaging with it, but at the same time, you don't want that to just be it. Well, it's, not, it's not even that. It's, it's, it's more like... What is a community? Mm. <laughs> if we break the fundamentals down, it's like what make, brings a group of people together, and 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 there's so many different nuances in that. You can't have one person representing a community, like period. Like that's, that's not how it works, and I think that's a lazy approach to it. But also, I mean, take away the the that element of it we were opening a building i do architecture i work in performance i'm a performer myself so so my kind of experiences in in, in that realm um is also really useful to them mm-hmm. so and i guess i'm learning a lot as well it's an opportunity for me to to be in these real world scenarios and and understand that away from the education world <laughs> yeah yeah no, it definitely makes sense so when you say it's every two years am i correct in thinking that it isn't happening it's not this year it'll be next year that know? explains a lot because when obviously you were coming on i was looking into it and i was a bit confused there's something going on right now yeah, yeah yeah no it's it's it, so it's yeah it's every odd year <laughs> yeah so 23 and then 25 nice yeah so obviously you're um in, i know you're saying you're not trademarking faz but your instagram <laughs> faz mcr um what if people want to follow you on like socials and obviously i imagine you'll post um a f- bit of updates about mif but what else can they sort of expect from for me that? i'm trying to cut down on socials altogether to be quite honest with right. you so, so you're okay. only going to get me on you're, you're only going to get me on instagram and um, we're all trying to cut down on socials aren't we really it's really yeah, bad no. not good for you and all the the cliche yeah, stuff like 15 hours screen time yeah literally that, yeah. <laughs> but i mean i am on instagram quite a lot that's that's like my downfall in life but um what, what, what would you see of me on there I usually just post kind of. I'm always I'm always doing stuff. So I, I write. I'm a poet, and I'm, I'm I'm performing next week in London at National Theatre um, as part of Young Identity. Um, and um, yeah, you'll just usually see me either on stage or behind the stage, or, or kind of. Um, I mean, I live in London, so I'll be doing stuff there. Um, you'll see a bit of set design stuff potentially, and just yeah, just kind of the mix of who I am as a person really for sure yeah so just reiterate for the people what is it again your it's quite easy Faz MCR (laughs) on Instagram you ain't finding me nowhere else because I'm deleting everything else (laughs) nah fair enough like it's got to do it sometimes like Halima on the show does that she did it for like six months or something the other day yeah I said the other day it was literally like for six months (laughs) she was just (laughs) off socials completely (laughs) Um, but no thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today about MIF and it's been really cool to like get to know more about you as a person as well because honestly I had no idea about the architecture or the poetry or I don't know why like clearly I need to go and check out your Instagram (laughs) (laughs) nah nah it's alright it's all good (laughs) but yeah any closing words Uh, good question I didn't think of no closing words closing words follow me if you want to follow me by all means on FazMCR and yeah, she's a big glass of water, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> right, thank you so much for coming on. You know what, I like this this energy, like, 
Yeah, you can tell that you've done radio before. Like, we haven't mentioned on radio, but no, you've yeah. done radio before. That's where I started off on radio myself. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell you're very comfortable on a mic, and I like that, like, definitely. Right, cool. Coming to the end of the hour now. So thank you so much to everyone that has tuned in today to Mango Masala. Make sure, as well as Faz MCR on Instagram, you also follow us at Mango Masala Radio. Um, check us out on Instagram, YouTube, all of that. 